You know what really makes us mad is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah, talk about punk. What's up, posers? Welcome to Funk Lotto Pod. I'm your co-host, Justin Hensley. And I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where we assign our guests a year, and they choose one punk, hardcore, emo, or punk-adjacent album from that year for us to talk about. But we're not doing that. Nope. Today is the 150th episode. How does Bilbo say it? 150th. <laughs> Uh, uh, Lord of the Rings reference off the top. Uh, darn, it's relevant to the year, isn't it? <laughs> it I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, 150 episodes. Can't believe Why? it. <laughs> we just hit our three-year anniversary in August, and this is our 150th. I guess we probably would have hit 150 before the three-year anniversary if we hadn't taken breaks. But, oh well. We needed him. It is also my 35th birthday. Yay! As we're recording this. <laughs> so, wish me a belated birthday. You already tweeted about it. Yeah. Twice? Just using the Twitter to get <laughs> some validation for yourself. <laughs> Soliciting happy birthdays. <laughs> I need that dopamine hit. <laughs> That's what this whole show is for. Yeah. <laughs> Feeding our egos. So, uh, yeah. What are we doing? What do you? What were you gonna say? Uh, I was just gonna say, like, uh, I can't believe we've made it 150 episodes. This is like the thing that we have done on our own that has like lasted the longest, right? Or- it's it's definitely been the highest output over a long period of time. Technically speaking, our band, <laughs> yeah, lasted longer than this. Yeah, that was what four years. Yeah, give or, yeah, roughly four years. So, but that was like so so minimal. Like mm-hmm. only practicing like in the winter and summer, you know, playing the <laughs> occasional show. So, yeah, and then like the blogs have never been like super consistent. Yeah, they've certainly spanned longer periods of time, but a lot of inactivity. Yeah, sometimes we'd go like a year between blog posts. Yeah, and just be like, oh, yeah, I guess uh, here's 10 records I like. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yes, it, this has been the most prolific thing we have done. You know, it's funny because, like, I, I never thought that this show would actually kind of change my life because it has. Because I, you know, since starting the show, have enrolled in college for broadcasting <laughs> and, you know, production technology. So, like, well... Uh, I guess this is something that, like, has mattered, at least to me. And I feel like we've made a lot of really good friends doing this show. Yeah. Like, while we've talked to some, like, musical heroes or, you know, just, like, people we thought were cool. I mean, we've made actual friends doing this. Like, there's people that we check in with. Like, people that we talk to, I talk to, at least on a daily basis with some of them, you know? Yeah. It's, um, I didn't expect that. I mean, it... 
I mean, I don't, well, I mean, honestly, I don't know what we expected going into it. We figured this would be like, well, like anything else we've ever done, which is just <laughs> like, this is a compulsion, honestly. You yeah. need to put this stuff out and no one's going to care about it. And then we, we just kind of st- slowly accrued uh, some followers. I mean, you know, we, we did build it somewhat intentionally, you know, as far as once we started branching out and asking guests to be on the show, we, we had the, the ambition behind that thought. So, yeah. Cause the show really did start as just kind of an, an excuse for me to make you talk to me on a weekly basis about music <laughs> when you moved to Phoenix. Yeah, we had toyed with doing podcasts before or doing like a YouTube channel or something like that. I guess as an extension of of blogging mm-hmm. because everyone had to do pivot to video. <laughs> yeah. Or pivot to podcasting. Podcasting's podcasts became a huge thing like right before shortly before i moved i think and probably like two in the two years before i moved yeah everyone they, was listening to podcasts yeah there was already like a certain type of person but i guess it was probably what serial that like yeah blew it up more mainstream outside of just like people who had long commutes or worked in an office were really the only yeah. ones listening oh yeah yeah i mean it it stems from you and I are going to talk about music, and we have talked about music since we were teenagers, really. You know, yeah. going going to shows, being involved in the music scene, and yeah, and it's always fun to talk to other people about music. Yeah, because well, like you and I can, you know, we have tons of shorthand that makes conversation really easy, and we'll, you know, we are familiar with the same things, so we can make jokes about obscure things like about specific bands and mm-hmm. songs and things like that but it, it it's fun to talk to other people too on the show and and i mean in and in the past like you know the the uh the stereotypical hanging out outside between bands or even during bands that you don't want to see <laughs> standing in a circle talking to your your punk friends at the show and talking about music and yeah so i mean it's just something that we 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 were going to do it anyway we wanted to do it more. I don't know what the mo- the motive of recording it and putting it out is, but <laughs> I think that comes from me listening to lots of podcasts and being like, "I can do this." Yeah, I mean that that's that that's the typical reason that a dude starts a podcast, right? Because they listen to podcasts and they go, "Well, I could do that." <laughs> that's why you always need someone who doesn't listen to podcasts on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I bring to this show. Yeah. <laughs> a real life expectation. <laughs> but you know, it's been, it's been really fun. Like there are times where the show is stressful, primarily around booking or, you know, scheduling really is probably the most frustrating thing currently. Just being like, well, I have school and Dylan's got to work and our guests have jobs and families too. So that's got to be tough to figure out, but we try and make it work. Yeah, and if we don't, we'll do something last minute. Yeah. Which is what we're doing today. It is, actually. <laughs> so we... Uh, our our special 150th ep- episode is a back pocket last minute. It's like, oh shit, what are we going to do? You know, fortunately, I kind of had this idea anyway, 
I think I think I had decided like shortly after the 100th episode, I was like, you know what we should do for the 200th episode is what we're doing today, which we'll go into that in a little bit. So now we're going to have to come up with something for the 200th episode. Yeah. Well, I think that might be a little easier, especially if we like plan. We also have like 50 more weeks to think about that, if not more. <laughs> so yeah, it's like a year from now. We got time to think of something. Yeah, so this is kind of a, like, uh, I had it set for the future. We were going to do something different to kind of correspond with the spooky month. That got reshuffled due to life, of course, and uh, that will still be happening, but it'll just probably won't be happening in a spooky month. It'll be happening in a food month, I guess. It'll be, it'll be a weird one. <laughs> yeah. But so what? Before we get into what we're actually doing, though, so if you head on over to our Patreon. There's your spooky content. There's yeah, there's your spooky content. We are going to be doing another movie review this time. Uh, we can tell you because it'll be up before this goes up. Uh, it is our review of Return of the Living Dead, classic punk horror movie, punk horror comedy. Yeah. So uh, Dylan's rewatched it already. I still have to rewatch it, and. Uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation as well. The last, the Repo Man was really fun to do, so I'm looking forward to doing this one too. Yeah. And you can get access one. to that and all of our bonus audio for $1 at patreon.com slash punklottopod. That's another thing I was didn't think about whenever we started the show is a Patreon. I didn't really expect to start one, and here we are. So the 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 regular fo- we have a pretty consistent set of followers over there, or you know, patrons over there, and they've You've all been so awesome. Uh, We love every one of you. We actually have an album pick coming our way, too. Two, actually. I I owe somebody one. But yeah, we've got a little bit of money on it now, and we're trying to figure out what we should do with it. We're thinking maybe run a shirts. So be on the lookout for that. We'll we'll announce that a little bit more whenever we figure out what we're going to do with that. But you can head over there and... uh, of course, all the social media stuff, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, yada, yada, Substack, voicemail, email. It's all in the show notes. You know how to link. You know how to Google. You're smart people. You can find the link tree. Yeah, that's in every episode description. So for this milestone episode, we decided to re-record our lost episode. Episode zero. Yes. The minus one. That's the issue. Uh, that's the spooky angle for this episode is it's an episode that we revived from the dead. <laughs> yes, it's uh, the reanimator of man, we should have done reanimator. <laughs> well, we got revived from the dead with the turn of the living dead, so. Yeah, I mean reanimators. It's a funny movie, but it's not really a punk movie. No. Yeah, so way way back when we started this podcast, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> The internet told us that this one thing would work. Yeah. And it didn't. So we wound up recording a whole episode. Dylan's side of the conversation recorded on his computer, but my side didn't record. I don't really know... Did I just not have Audacity yet? I don't know why I didn't. (laughs) We We didn't want to do two separate files and mix them together. I think we were specifically looking for something that would record... That would record our Skype conversation. Which Skype I guess has that ability. <laughs> we didn't realize that you could do that through Skype. Yeah. 
We should and have done some. We should have done some testing before we actually did the whole episode. I think we did do some minor testing, and then I think something happened on my end where, like, it showed recording, but it didn't recognize maybe the microphone. I don't know. We only had half of a conversation, and we weren't yeah. able. We were unable to use it. But even then, we were like, "That's okay. That was a, that was okay. That was our test episode." You know, basically, like we just tried it figured out how, what we wanted to do. I think we took some lessons from that episode and yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we did it and we, yeah, we realized that we needed to have a little bit more of a plan going into it. I think it, I think that conversation was pretty, pretty scattered. Yeah. More so than any of our first run of episodes. Yeah. That first 30, <laughs> they're there, but one day I'm going to put that behind a paywall, so enjoy it while you can, I guess. Ugh, no, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't go back to those. You know, though, I did go back and check one episode we did, because it kind of corresponded with something we talked about, and it was better than I expected. So, maybe it's just uh, me being cringy about my our earlier incarnation, but we decided we're going to redo it. We're going to take it from the top. We're going to... Use all the skills and knowledge that we've gained from doing 149 episodes and putting it towards a better version of that episode than it could have been. And uh, so this is kind of going to go into the original format of the show. This is the... Oh, let's see if I can remember how that goes. Uh, This is the show. We're using a random number generator and the Rate Your Music Punk charts. We choose one album and one EP. At random, I guess I used random twice there. A number yeah, generator. I used to cut cut the random part off. That's the anyway. So we yeah, this is the old format where we chose an album and an EP. Yeah, this was not random. It was randomly selected three years ago. But yeah, <laughs> we're just we're just doing those those two selections again. Yeah. So before we get into the albums that we're actually talking about, we randomly selected the year two thousand and one. Wow, so random. Oh, gosh, so random. So uh, what came out in that year that, uh, you know, we would probably recognize or... We've talked about 2001 quite a few times since this original recording. Quite quite a few times. So what, what, what have we done so far? We did a, we did a Yafet Kodo record, right? You named a couple before we started recording, and I've already forgotten mm. what they were. It was... The Yafet Kodo record, it was Adam and his package, and the MXPX EP, we did uh, that Aso Cheris record, and that really bad Taking Back Sunday EP. <laughs> um, I think that's everything we did. So we've actually done the um, the broadcast, uh, the uh, Dropkick Murphys episode that we did. That record actually came out in 2001, too, for our St. Paddy's right. Day episode. A gimmick we've decided we'll never repeat, but yeah, it's, or if we what, do, it's what to else do are flog- we say? <laughs> flogging right. Molly. That's it. <laughs> the Pogues, the Pogues, and then that's it. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything else. Yeah, those are the only other bands that you could really say anything substantial about, mm-hmm. and even then, I don't want to talk about them more than once. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we've done, we've done 2001. I think we just did them a long time ago, and it does seem, in the Yafet Kodo being the most recent one, as far as like being on current format, because the 
Adam, in this package, we had Corey on the show, but that was definitely pretty early on. That was within the first 40 episodes. So, yeah, still doing an album and and an EP. Yeah. So I'm glad that we cut. But yeah, I'm I'm glad we cut the EP. I mean, the EP is is important, but at the same time, they're harder to find. They're harder to talk about because they're so short. They're less popular in general. You know, there's a lot of reasons to not. And doing research on two records every week is annoying. And with the guest format, you don't want to make them pick two things like that to talk about. So we dropped it. What, uh, so yeah. What, uh, what come, came out in 2001? Oh, you know, just that those art thieves converge with their <laughs> album Jane Doe. <laughs> Such a weird story. Like, the model just now saw it. Yeah. Which, she's like Italian. Yeah, alright. That makes sense. Yeah. But, it, it, yeah, I mean, everyone, it, I feel like there was like kind of a weird reaction to it that was like, you know that that's what it was from, right? Like, it, that's been the story all along that he just cut random stuff out of magazines to make a lot of his old artwork. It's collage. I mean, mm-hmm. he just he liked the lighting on her face, and so he built the whole collage around that that cutout. Yeah, there was this strange like reaction from people online, a lot more negative than you'd expect. I don't know. A lot of people I saw complaining were like, "Oh, you're only defending it because it's converge." I was like, "I mean, collage is a legitimate form of art. I mean, this is the same thing that got Shepard Fairey in trouble, of course." Yeah. But also, I think that was, you know, fine too, you know? It's Here's the a- thing. Copyright's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get, I guess, likeness is something a little different. But if you're a public figure, likeness gets a little trickier, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a, that's a, I do feel like it's a stretch to say it's her likeness being used because you really can't. You would not recognize that person right? from right. this picture, the way that it's treated. And it's also not like they're making her say or do anything, <laughs> you know, like a weird deep fake or like <laughs> using what's his face. What's his name? Was it the dad from Back to the Future? They used his likeness in the sequel and then he sued because that wasn't him in the sequel. It was another actor wearing prosthetics to look like him. Crispin Glover? Crispin Glover, yeah. <laughs> it's weird to think of him as the dad in Back to the Future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it was funny. I mean, I don't think anything will actually happen with this. One, because it's international, and uh, the only people who actually could say anything is maybe the photographer or the magazine if they wanted to push it, but... I mean, I don't, I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I think, I guess, the weirdness of it is that they've made a lot of merchandise with that image, <laughs> and yeah. so maybe she's like, I, she didn't even really seem like she really cared. It did she, seem like it was her reaction seemed kind of cheeky, like it yeah. was just like, yeah, hey, but you know me, but you know. I do think didn't some like shitty Converge fans like start going in her comments in the section on Instagram and really saying shit to her? And it's like, I'm sure you, you trolls like you you just stop it she probably wasn't going to do anything but if you piss her off she might decide to do something so anyway spend a lot of time on that but you know jane doe monster record super important for the time 
uh, you know, kind of a legendary album. So, um, you know, this is Strokes and White Stripes, see, see, you know, era. So good for them. Yeah, it's also uh, take off your pants and jacket. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and Weezer Green album. And Green album, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy what World. I would have been listening to on the radio. Yeah, Jimmy Eat World as well. Bleed American. Yeah. So those are those are the big, big song, big records of that time period as far as, yeah, those are the punk adjacent albums that you would turn on the radio and hear. You probably wouldn't hear Fugazi's The Argument. That's a record that I listened to for so long without really encountering anyone else's opinion of it that I was surprised... That it's not like a widely appreciated Fugazi record. Like it's, it seemed so natural to me as a progression of their sound. I mean, I think the conventional argument is that it's better than end hits, mm-hmm. but not a lot better. But I think it's a lot better than end hits. <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's probably better than Red Medicine too, which I guess Rate Your Music doesn't disagree. So. Yeah, later Fugazi is just not something that I've explored as deeply as the earlier material. Like, I've listened to every single Fugazi record, but I go to the first, like, four more, so. Let's look at this rating trend. Kind of a little up and down. Anyway, I think that's a great record. I I think that's a really, really good record, and yeah. I would stack it among probably the top four of Fugazi records. I mean, yeah, like I said, I like it more than In-Hits, and I like it more than Red Medicine, so it's got to be top four. Yeah. So, this is also the year of Page 99's Document 7 and Document 8. Uh, Document 8's the big one, right? Yeah, so Document 8 is... I've always thought of Document 7 as... I mean, it is an EP. It's five songs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 25 minutes long, so... Depends on who you ask. Great Your Music calls it an album. I disagree. But yeah, Document 8 is like the album. It's actually shorter than Document 7. <laughs> Which is really funny. <laughs> that I think of that one as the album and it's shorter. <laughs> yeah. 8's the one I feel like most people are aware of though. 8 and 5, those are the ones that people go to. Yeah, I mean 8's the one that was on Spotify forever. Yeah. Did it have better distro, too? That might have been part of it. You know, that one was done by... Robotic Robotic Empire. Empire. And 7 was... Magic Bullet. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little bit bigger deal. Um, Oh, it's Avenged Sevenfold, sounding the seventh trumpet time period. Man, remember Avenged Sevenfold? (laughs) (laughs) this is when they were still a hardcore band yeah one that i didn't like but they were still there (laughs) yeah uh i did like alkaline trios from here to a infirmary great record perfect record uh i've actually they're playing in charlotte next week i've been contemplating going them and bad religion and war on women i was like that would be a really good show i've never seen bad religion before i should i should probably go to that I feel like maybe I missed the LA show. Yeah, I've been missing shows. I don't maybe I'm just out of practice when it comes to keeping track of when shows are coming through. 
but I like missed a bunch of stuff in the last like couple weeks. Like I didn't realize idols were around here like this week, which is weird because I had at least gone to see them. Oh, okay. No, well they're playing in November. Yeah, you got time. I might go. I might buy a ticket. We'll see. Yeah. And I ask off for work, you know. <laughs> oh, you won't do it for podcasting, but you'll do it for. <laughs> you do it every week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dashboard Confessional released the places you have come to fear the most. Is Swiss Army Romance the one, though, that like blew up? That's the first one, though. <laughs> no. no uh, yeah. Places mark- is the one with Screaming Infidelities. That's the big one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which one's got the Spider-Man song? That's a mark. A mark? You're a mark. That one's got... That's hands down, right? Vindicated. Oh. It's probably just like Spider-Man 2 soundtrack only. <laughs> Exclusive song. <laughs> oh, Vindicated. Vindicated is a negative track on dusk and summer Mm. the 2006 album unrelated 2001 i gotta back track into negative space to listen (laughs) to the spider-man song (laughs) like a couple years after it came out right that's the no because vindicated was in spider-man 2 right when did that one come out oh four oh five maybe it's a year later so not too late yeah 2004 (laughs) Uh, uh, here's a weird one. Takeoffs and landings by Rilo Kylie. Uh, I'm bringing this one up because early in my search for bandmates, uh, in LA, I got a response from a trumpet player who plays on this record. Oh, yeah. Um, turns out he's a racist What? and an anti-vaxxer or like Ooh. an anti-masker at least according to, uh, things that he posted on Facebook. My good thing. I never really, uh, met up with you cool would have not gone far that's nice uh, to yet. know he has not worked with with rilo kylie i mean other than this one record and he did something with one of their side bands and he hasn't worked with jenny lewis since this record i think <laughs> yeah so he was definitely just like a session guy as far as i could tell yeah um just a just, yeah. uh, just a little fun one just so you, in case you loved the horn on that Rilo Kylie record, know yeah. that that dude's a racist. <laughs> and he's never going to find this, so. Yeah. I can say it. <laughs> uh, you know, Propagandis, Today's Empire's Tomorrow's Ashes, would tell us that we should shout him out anyway, so there we go. <laughs> Not naming names. Nope, nope. I it, could be wrong. It could be any trumpet player from the Rilo Kylie record. <laughs> I think there's only one, but. Yeah. Rival schools released United by Fate. You know, 2001. I mean, uh, I feel like doing chart dives on the main episodes is, is, is when we have to do these for our Patreons sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to say too much because in the future I might have to say a lot about the rest of this year. <laughs> uh, but what else? What else? What else? What else? Anything big? Let's each pick one more record that came out this year that we want to mention i'll shout out majority rules interviews with david frost that's in the uh page 99 family tree there uh very 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 good band that didn't really get as much of attention as i felt like they should have but some of the members are now in actually most all the members are now in the band no man which is really good as well basically extension of majority rule what do you got 
looking for something good. <laughs> Want to go out on a high note. Let's just say Identikit uh, by Burning Airlines Ooh. came out in 2001. Very nice. The second Burning Airlines record. Such a good band. I mean, it's Jay Robbins and we always, you know, have high praise for Jay Robbins. But specifically want to just talk about the rhythm section in Burning Airlines is really something special. And I mean, the same could be said about Jawbox. So there's just something about what Jay Robbins looks for in in uh, bass players and drummers. But yeah, they're just really tight. Really, really, really like no misses and just lots of little things. Just lots of little, I don't know what it is if it's just like triplets or I don't know. It's not triplets. It's not the Dag Nasty riffs. You know, it's, there's just something special in every song. Well, cool. So let's get into the record we're actually talking about today. Uh, I don't remember what number this record was when we picked it, and I don't think that we even care anymore. But today we are talking about The Bouncing Souls, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. I met some people who don't know Some of them spent some of them stayed. Some of them walked some more goodbye. Gotta be friends, I love till I die. From all these people that chat to learn. Some of them shine, some of them burn. Some of them rise, some of them fall. All right, some stats on the record. Uh, Formed in 1987, the Bouncing Souls are from New Brunswick, New Jersey, the home of so many other musicians. Like, I was like, who else is from New Brunswick? And so, like, I went and, like, looked at the tag. Just listen to this, like, run of bands. Thursday, The Measure, Screaming Females, The Gaslight Anthem, Dead Guy, (laughs) And then, like, even some smaller ones, like Black Kites, Dads, Big Wig, Static Radio New Jersey, Midtown, Burnt by the Sun, Ensign, For Science, and now Teenage Halloween. Uh, I thought the Ergs were, but technically they're in a different city in uh, New Jersey, but... Yeah. Definitely part of that scene, though. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Brian Fallon tweeted something this week about seeing, what, I guess seeing Hot Water Music and Leatherface? (laughs) <laughs> or maybe just Leatherface, because he was talking about the Leatherface Hot Water Music split. Um, but he, yeah, he said, I saw them in Jeff Rickley's basement in New Brunswick. <laughs> and we talked about Jeff Rickley a little bit, too, with Ink and Dagger. So they were kind well, they were more, they were a Philly band. So I guess there was, how close is New Brunswick to Philadelphia? Are they, like, right on top of each other? This is where, like, uh, geography would be really useful. New Brunswick is... It's not super far from Philadelphia, but it's not, like, right next to Philadelphia. It's not South Jersey. 
it's closer to New York than Philly. Yeah, it's like between New York and Philly. Eh, so it's in a prime spot for lots of uh, out-of-town shows, though. But, uh, yeah. So this is the fifth Bouncing Souls record. It was released on Epitaph Records, and which is their... This is the third record on that label. This is their follow-up to Hopeless Romantic. The personnel on this album is Brian Kynlin on bass, Michael McDermott on drums... The Pete, a.k.a. Pete Steinkopf, on guitar, and Greg Adonido on vocals. Uh, the record was produced by John Seymour, who has produced albums by The Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and Sick of It All, as well as The Engineer on the Heart in a Blender song by U6. <laughs> and that record. There was some pre-production work by Jordan Coopersmith, and it was co-produced by Brian and The Pete of The Bouncing Souls as well. They've done, they've done some other production work on their own. Brian produced some albums by The Loved Ones. Uh, Pete produced albums by The Loved... Different albums by The Loved Ones. And Dave House. Uh, also some Plow United. And Nathan Gray's last full-length record. Solo record. So, a little bit of production work there from those guys. Getting their taste of it during The Bouncing Souls. And this is probably the most popular Bouncing Souls album. I was checking out based on Spotify and rate your music, it's the most listened to. For some reason Last FM has like their live record as their most popular, which is very strange. My guess is it's just a really good live record and it came out at a time where uh Last FM had its peak users, so it kind of skewed <laughs> the stats forever. 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which, you know, it makes sense because these are probably some of the songs that this album has some songs that I I knew prior to listening to the record the first time uh, outside of like maybe Hopeless Romantic and Olay. But uh, yeah, so this is a weird one because normally I like to ask, like, what is your prior like feelings or or opinions on the Bouncing Souls from before listening to this album. So try and put yourself in your shoes three years ago, I guess. I was trying to remember what we talked about on that episode. I know we definitely did the I Like Your Mom yeah. uh, story. So we definitely <laughs> told that, which I'm sure we've mentioned on this show multiple times. Just a little running joke with our our group of friends that we go to fest with or went to fest with. Yeah, I think my prior knowledge of them was that they were a a popular pop punk band that was on some Tony Hawk soundtrack. And yeah, I knew Hopeless Romantic, I knew Olay. That was about it. They were they were a comp band in my mind. Yeah, I think my first real exposure to them was that ESBM Pro Snowboarder X game computer game that I had that had the Bouncing Souls on it. I'm trying to remember, we probably talked about that on here. Yeah, because I definitely would have mentioned it on maybe the Bracket episode. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the Pop Punk Bracket. Did we talk about them on the Pop Punk Bracket? Maybe. (laughs) It's weird that maybe this is like part of it, though. Like, I have like no opinion on the Bouncing Souls. Like, I was trying to remember what I thought of them back then. Yeah, there was the I Like Your Mom joke. Uh, what else? I heard songs. I knew some songs. I knew what they sounded like and 
no previous experience of listening to them compelled me to want to seek out any of their albums. It was just kind of a neutral, like, that's what the Bouncing Souls sound like. I didn't, I didn't hate it. It wasn't like, ew, turn that off. I think we have maybe joked about them in a way that makes it seem like we really hate them. (laughs) (laughs) But it's mostly just like, they're really big for a lot of people. Yeah. And they're not a band that I have listened to more than one and a half whole albums by. (laughs) You know, I was really curious, like, so they're a band that kind of has this like really devout fan base. And I was like, is this a cult band? Is it just a popular band? Like I couldn't figure out what the breakdown of it really was. So I was like, well, let's look at, let's look at some like numbers, like monthly listens on Spotify. So, they have 400,000 monthly listeners. That's that's pretty good. And yeah, then I, I mean that's but, pretty solid for a, you know, a band that's not like really active or anything, so I I and, and I was like I don't know, I don't have a frame of reference for this number, so I need to I need to get some other comparative numbers. So, Hot Water Music, they have 187,000 monthly listeners. I would have assumed Hot Water Music was way more popular than The Bouncing Souls. Yeah. They are so not. that's our, that's our bias. We like hot water music. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what else? Uh, Lagwagon have three hundred and thirty thousand listens a month. So Bouncing Souls are more popular than Lagwagon, who have way more albums, been around a lot. Well, maybe not longer, but just put out more albums consistently. That, that tracks more for me. That makes more sense to me than Lagwagon, because yeah, I mean Lagwagon's older, but uh, yeah, it's Olay. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. They have some. They have more songs that you would just like. Somebody would listen to one or two songs by the band. That makes yeah. sense. Uh, Gaslight have five hundred and fifty thousand monthly listens. So Gaslight bigger band. Okay, yeah, I would have told you the Gaslight that was a bigger band. I wouldn't guess the Bouncing Souls were that close to Gaslight in popularity. And then I was like, how far does this go? So Anti Flag they have seven hundred thousand listeners. More people listen to Anti Flag than Gaslight Anthem. All right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You think For that's right? Reason. No. I mean that makes sense though. Anti flag are fucking huge. Are they? I, I don't know why, but they're I don't huge. know a single fan, like a real fan. Like they were old fans who used to like them when they were younger. But see, that's the thing is you can have a few songs, and that's why I think of Bouncing Souls as a comp band. Is you have a few songs that are on. A compilation that was really really successful or in a video game soundtrack and then your average like dude who isn't really part of any subculture just listens to those soundtracks and compilations as playlists on spotify or they're like yeah i like that one song and they throw it on like every single playlist or they have like you know one playlist that they just listen to all the time and it has the same 40 songs on it so anti-flag anti-flag and bouncing souls to me strike me very much as those bands that they have a handful of songs that are massive but not a lot of people listening to the entirety of their discography Hmm. and they maybe have a few records that are really popular but like the number one song anti-flag's number one song on spotify currently is from their 2006 album which is their highest, which is their most popular release on Spotify. Um, but then after that, it does have their 2017 and 2020 records. So there's your uh, I'm only into punk when Republicans are president 
listeners. <laughs> and just for just for this, uh, No Effects and Pennywise both have over a million monthly listeners. That's who's still listening to Pennywise like that. Pennywise, <laughs> No Effects, I get, I get, I get. Pennywise, I would say like, yeah, I would say like eight hundred, nine hundred thousand seem more realistic, but yeah. Million. I mean, that's the next band you go to, I guess, if you're yeah. a, a NoFX fan. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, just a little frame reference there. as critically acclaimed as hot water music more popular than hot water music i guess that makes sense but so yeah but they they also have a very dedicated fan base too which is i guess the other thing that maybe is driving some of those numbers so listening to this record my memory of it was not as strong (laughs) as from three years ago i put this on and i was like well to quote the record, I put this record on, and uh, I was like, "Did I did I pick the wrong record? Is this one we act? Is this the one?" That's why I messaged you and was like, "We are doing how I spent my summer vacation, right?" Because <laughs> I was like three songs in, and I'm like, "I don't want to listen to this whole thing if I if it's not the right record. <laughs> I don't have enough time to prep for this episode." Yeah, I was like. Did I pick the wrong one? And then I was like, what year did our EP come out? Yeah, okay, it's that one. Okay. Does that ha- did that happen because that that logo thingy that they keep re- that comet thing they keep reusing? The, bo- <laughs> the bouncing souls ball. Yeah. The super ball. What is it? <laughs> it's the sun or is it a comet? Or is it both? Cuz then it's like just also on another one. It's just like the whole front of it. It which it's looks whatever like, they need it to be. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a, their logo, but it's a weird logo. I guess it bounces. Maybe that's why it is what it is. Yeah, it was like, I got into it and I'm like, ah, is this right? It wasn't until True Believers came on that I was like, 
okay, I really know true believers, and I feel like we lo- we talked about we knew true believers. <laughs> and yeah. Ma- Mantham. I remember talking about <sighs> yeah. Mantham a lot, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one. So <laughs> Which is like, that's not a good sign if, like, we listened to it probably multiple times that first episode, and three years later we're still like, huh? I don't remember any of these songs. Yeah, I have a pretty, I have a pretty good memory for when and where I've heard things. Mm-hmm. Unless it was like a really long time ago and it was just like one song, you know, or something like that. But I have, I'm, I'm pretty good at remembering the context of listening to a record for the first time. You know, any time in the la- at least any time in the last four or five years I feel like but this one I'm just like I'm drawing a blank it's like it had to be, I had to be in the car I mean it that would have to have been it I was driving from to or from work but I don't I have I have other more vivid memories of listening to specific records in that exact context from that time period <laughs> yeah. driving to that specific job because it was like a really annoying commute that I had to go work at it a restaurant that I really hated working at. So like I, I specifically remember listening to a few specific records doing this show even. That's the thing. But this one this one I'm just like, was it nighttime? Was it daytime? <laughs> it was summer. It had to have been hot, but I don't remember it being extremely hot. You know, my memory of listening to this record isn't even of listening to this record. It's me sitting in front of the computer talking to you about it. I remembered <laughs> I don't remember listening to the record. I will rem- in the future I will remember listening to this record on the train. Yeah. Like now like that's like that's in my brain. That one's going to stay. I'm going to kn- I'm going to remember the dude like insisting on sitting right next to me on the train. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't share seats on the train. <laughs> I'm not going to remember that I listened to it in the car on the way home from school. I'm not going to remember that's where I listened to this. I'm going to remember talking about this record more than actually listening to this record. And it's their most popular one. It's huge. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, which also played into my confusion, too, is it's like, is this the one or do I just recognize this album cover? Because this is the one you've seen a million times. It's, Mm -hmm. It's this one and the Hopeless Romantic album cover. Yeah. Yeah, the album cover was done by uh, Brian Kynlin, the bass player. He did a lot of their album covers. It has a like a cartoony, some like graffiti style art to it. It kind of reminds me of like a, a a Lichtenstein, you know, those like where he that pop art style, you know. Yeah, there's really really bright colors. Yeah, really um, pri- almost primary colors. Not quite a primary blue, but yeah. And, like, that brick building color is a little bit more brown than a primary red. But, yeah. Very... It's, yeah, it's just cartoony colors, you know? And then, like, that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air font (laughs) on the bottom there (laughs) the album title. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so re-listening to it, what did you think of it? So, other than the songs that I know, like True Believers, Mantham, No Comply being kind of a familiar one, um... Bouncing Souls sounds like what 
I th- one of the things that I like about this record is that it sounds the way that the Balancing Souls have always sounded to me, <laughs> which is on an outdoor stage in the distance <laughs> in Gainesville. So any Balancing Souls record I hear, I'm like, does it sound like it's really far away? <laughs> and I feel like this one, more than any of their others, really does. <laughs> an- an- another thing, I mean... Part of the way it's mixed and that sound and his, the way his vocals kind of sit in that mix and the singing style that he has, which is like the really soaring and anthemic kind of melodies. Interestingly enough, and this kind of endeared me to them a little more than any other that I have in the past. I'm really surprised that I've never made this connection before, but the influence they have on Iron Sheik and Ladderman... And those kinds of bands, which makes sense for the region, it's really strong. Hmm. And I don't know why I've never, ever made that connection before. And maybe someone would disagree. I don't know. I, the only thing I could connect to that is the gang vocals. I don't really hear that at all. That's probably the biggest thing. But there's definitely, I I do think that there is something about uh, Greg's voice and the kinds of melodies that he sings and how similar they are to what's his name? Jason from Iron Sheik. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, Which is, you know, maybe just kind of like part of that's just in their limitations as vocalists. You know, they have just this one little octave that they can sing over. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't really hear that at all. I think of Lifetime. Yeah. It's and, it's and that, that would make more sense too. It's that fast paced. I guess is it skate punk? I guess it's that like it's that little blend of like skate punk, melodic hardcore, and pop punk that like causes people to be like, that's not skate punk. That's not pop punk. You know, like that that argument. It, the, the one that Lifetime gets too. It's like yeah, it's yeah. Or even like some bad religion records or early propaganda or Pennywise even. It's a little bit of each of those things. Yeah. The speed of some of these songs is what makes me like kind of put it closer to a skate punk. There's definitely like a pogo element to their sound, which I tie with skate punk. But then there's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of just sing alongs, which is very pop punky. Yeah, I mean, I would just broadly categorize it as pop punk because I feel like, like, I feel like there are so many melodic hardcore bands that you would just, you would call them pop punk slash melodic hardcore. Like, you would just call them both of those things. Mm-hmm. And, like, skate punk is just maybe slightly thrashier pop punk anyway. Yeah. You know, I I don't know. I, I feel like the, the differentiation between skate punk and pop punk is more of a feeling than it is a sound. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair.
I'm the same way. I remember us. Our original take on it was probably a little meaner or a little more negative at the time. And now I'm just more like, eh, it's fine. It's fun. It's upbeat. It's enjoyable. It's not. I don't hate it. I'm not coming back to it. Yeah. I mean, I think I've I've voiced this previously talking about hopeless romantic on a Patreon where I I kind of realized while listening to that record like. Outside of the jokey songs that I like, really out like outright disliked, <laughs> the songs that were just more straightforward or in the in the standard bouncing souls box, they have certain qualities that make them bouncing souls that I don't like. <laughs> but they're just they're too unique to that band that if they didn't have those aspects, they wouldn't be the bouncing souls. They would be a different band. They would sound. Very different. So it's just one of those things where I don't have, I don't need the Bouncing Souls to be, I don't need the Bouncing Souls to be the Gaslight Anthem. I don't need the bas- the Bouncing Souls to be Iron Sheet. You know, I have those bands. I don't need the Bouncing Souls to be Bad Religion. Yeah. I, I can go to those other bands to find those qualities. The things that I like, the things that I like in the Bouncing Souls, I can find better in other bands. And I don't have to have the things that I don't like about the Bouncing Souls. And that's not a knock against the Bouncing Souls. It's just a personal taste thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's good songs on here. Like, there are songs on here that I'm like, that's a good song. Private Radio, I thought was really good. True Believers is fantastic. Like, that's really just like, I mean, there's a reason why you would know that song before even listening to this record. Uh, Broken Record, I liked a lot, too. Mantham? Oh, oh, yeah. Mantham? Mantham or Brohim? I'll take Mantham. Yeah. It's a little more self-aware. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Late it, Bloomer's got some moments. Mantham also seems more specific. He's my friend. Yeah. He's my alibi. <laughs> yeah. it, it feels more like it's a song written about a specific person or a specific yeah. relationship. And I, I think it's probably like an internal relationship within the band. Yeah. I also think the alibi is more general too it's meant to be a little bit more like nah we was hanging with the bros you know (laughs) more of a against the caps (laughs) watch out he's oh no i was hanging out with these guys yeah yeah it's yeah i don't there wasn't very much that i was like i do not like this like what Streetlight Serenade maybe is one of the weak ones because it's not like barely a song. It's really short and it has like sound street sounds and stuff. It's not not much of a song. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a a huge improvement over Hopeless Romantic as a record overall. Um, because I couldn't finish Hopeless Romantic. This record, I listened to the whole thing and it's like there's there's no songs that I wanted to skip. Yeah, and by the end of it, I don't feel like I had kind of going into it, so I guess yeah going into it I was like I'm not looking forward to this I don't want to listen to this I've listened to this before I know I didn't like it and by the end of it I was thinking like I don't know why I thought I didn't like it so much (laughs) I think it's just that I it's not that I hated it it's just that I just didn't connect to it but I wasn't like listening to it this time this time I wasn't like I wish this was over no 
it was fine. It's also- it, it ended and I was like, oh, hey, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was dreading coming back to it, honestly, because I was just like, what? I'm not going to like this. And listening again, it's just, hey, hey, it's not that bad. Maybe my tastes have just changed, too. Like, I, I consider myself a Bad Religion fan now, so that, that's like a lane of punk that I wasn't really engaging with that much. So maybe I'm just a little bit more open to the idea of this style of punk, but I don't know. It's fine. I'm, I, yeah, I'm not coming back to it, though. And I'm never going to be like, oh, I should check out that Bouncing Souls record. Yeah, that's... I think it's. I think it's fair for me to categorize the Bouncing Souls as a band that I'm not interested in because if I didn't care f- enough for this record to ever come back to it, I'm not going to get anything out of <laughs> Anchors Away or Simplicity, you know, mm-hmm. the rest of their discography and it nothing before Hopeless Romantic. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless someone assigns it for the show, but it's... I doubt even it, that. It's it's utterly fine. Yeah. Uh, so we forgot how to pace these episodes because we still have an EP to talk about. <laughs> so uh, in the old format where we chose an EP at random as well, we wound up choosing Brownie Circus Looking for the Summer. to the random selections early on Mm -hmm. and then i think we did too many of those that were like bad (laughs) or just like impossible to talk about that we definitely we started cheating pretty quickly (laughs) yeah i mean the ep we were more willing to choose as the random like a really random one too because we're just like oh i've never heard a brownie circus that's the nature of the show, man. We're going to get something at random, and we're going to have to, like, really think about it. I mean, I guess that was kind of our intent going in, but to expose ourselves to something that we're unfamiliar with. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to challenge, I think we wanted to challenge ourselves a little bit and force ourselves to come up with opinions on things that we don't already know. Because if we were just picking, I'm going to talk about this record I like. Yeah. I don't know. That might have been... That might have lost steam, honestly. Maybe. 
And then, yeah, the early versions of the guests where we were still making them pick from a list of options that we had, like, pre-selected. A lot of times they were like, do we have to talk about this stuff? Yeah. It's kind of the game, but... (laughs) So, Brownie Circus from Fukui, Japan. They formed in 2000, broke up in 2004. This is their very first official release. They had a demo prior to this. Uh, it was released on Groovy Drunker and Koga Records. This is their... It's technically a mini-album, according to Discogs. It's like a seven-track EP. Uh, the person on this record is Kaori on vocals and guitar. Nobuhide Fujiki on guitar and vocals. Zumi on bass and Uomi on drums. So, <laughs> listening to this the first time, I remember going... This is great. This is way better than that bouncing Souls record. I like this so much more. I'm I'm leaning towards this as the best record of the two. Coming back to this album, this EP, I was like, "Hey, that's pretty good too." Like I have like almost the same level of appreciation for this as the Bouncing Souls album. It, to be honest, it's yeah, I mean I get where you're coming from as far as like our initial reactions the first time we did these two records but listening to it this time it's so pastiche mm-hmm. that it's unmemorable yeah i mean because in the three years we've done the show i couldn't remember the name of the band i remember we did a japanese pop punk band ramon score style band i couldn't remember their name was brownie circus i remember brownie was in their name just because it's kind of yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, it's such a, you know, it's also spelled brown and a Y, not the way that you spell like N-I-E, like you would. <laughs> but I remember too, like the first, ep- when we first did this, we told our friend Corey that we we're doing this, and he goes, ew, when he heard their name. So <laughs> it doesn't conjure the best image, I guess, but. Especially when you add the word circus. Yeah. Yeah. It's something about circus being on there. Well, Yeah. Well, you can cut this or you can leave it in, but you know who works at the Brownie Circus. (laughs) Ass clowns. (laughs) Uh, Well, if you made it this far in the episode, we'll leave that (laughs) joke in there, I guess. But yeah, you're right. Like it, it, It is very much like, yeah, I've heard a million Ramones core bands and a lot better ones. And all-girl Japanese ones. <laughs> I mean, Shonen Knife is like... Yeah, right. Already there. Like, this is, this is, if anything, a, a pastiche of Shonen Knife who are themselves a pastiche of the Ramones, mm-hmm. who are themselves a pastiche of the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah. It's... So, like, I guess if you go side by side and you go... Which one are you going to listen to? I might pick this, just because I like this general sound better. This type of music I just like better. Well, yeah, there's there's more to it that I can immediate, immediately get enjoyment out of. But there's just... I don't remember what these songs sound like. I know there's probably some some like real laid-on, like mm-hmm. Beach Boys harmonies, but I don't know which song they do that in. I only do because I wrote it down. <laughs> Looking for the sun. Upbeat surfy song. Beach Boy style. Ooey you. Kind of Ramonzi. That's what I wrote for this. 
There's Woos on Summer Vacation Agogo. All these songs are about the summer. We chose the spookiest albums we could. How I Spent My Summer Vacation and Looking for the Summer. Like, how did, how did we wind up with two summer records on our very first episode? But, like, even all these songs are, like, got summer. Summer Beach, Looking for the Sun, Hello My Darling, uh, Ready for You, Goodbye, Melting Myself, okay, and Summer Vacation A-Go-Go. So, like, <laughs> just... It's summertime fun. It's that that regular show song. Some some summertime. Summertime. <laughs> it's fine, but yeah, it's like it's gone the second this is over with. And even from song to song, you're like, is it the same song over and over again? Where at least the Bouncing Souls do enough different things on that album that it kind of sticks out more. Like there are more hooks on that record that stand out on their own. But the overall sound of this one is more enjoyable. I don't know. This is probably why we stopped doing EPs, too. Because they're just, like, nothing stuck. Nothing, like... Yeah. You know, unless it's something really special, like the Bengals EP we just did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even, like, Where the District like... 9 EP. Was that yeah. the name? Not District 9. District 7? The one with the keel from Ended. <laughs> District 9 is the alien movie. Um, yeah. District 7? Regardless. Yeah, I mean, there are classic punk EPs, mm-hmm. but no one ever wants to go back to the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And there are enough big records, like full-length records from the 80s, that most people don't don't look at the EP chart. But EPs are also so, like, yeah. There's, there's probably, like, only a couple truly great EPs that stand the test of time each year, you know? Like, it's the kind of thing where it's, like, EPs are very in the now, in the moment. Like, it's very much, like, this rules. This band is good. I can't wait for what LP they do. Like, that kind of thing. Very rarely is it, like, and I, well, except for those, like, those hipster, like, I only liked their first demo EP. You know, those guys. But, which those guys have kind of gone away, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's... Usually what makes an EP special is that it is the first thing you hear from a band. And so if they're really good right out of the gate, that EP is going to be really important. And it's going to really stand out. But there's not many times where an artist that's long into their career where they release an EP and you're like, that was great. Like, unless it's painted black doing a very specific thing or Mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, you, you think of maybe like... I feel like the only EPs that come to mind to me are like from bands that have been going for a while are maybe like the recent, um, like the recent Bruce Lee band EP. Yeah. And, and even though the EP before that, I feel like they had one previously where it's like you only get an EP every now and then mm-hmm. from those bands. Um, the last thing I can think of is like the, the broken wing EP by alkaline trio where it was like, this is better than the whole album that it, corresponds with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's so good this these songs should have been on the record <laughs> yeah yeah eps are diff- i guess hardcore is probably where the ep is still like a, a really strong release format choice and usually though that tends to be like a bunch of eps in a row before they even do an lp so yeah i mean this is i'm not going to come back to this one either like it's just <laughs> Maybe that's why, you know, because when we recorded the episode, we had the option of being like, well, let's just record it again 
Now, part of that was us to be like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to repeat it, repeat what I said originally. I'm going to forget things I said. But also, I don't really want to talk about these anymore. <laughs> it's probably what the real thing was. Yeah. Well, yeah. We definitely didn't want... It was not a good enough conversation to warrant repeating. Yeah. Immediately. And we just chalked it up as just like, well, okay. Now we know how we can do this. But yeah, it's... um. It's so weird to be like, yes, this is our special 150th. We had to come back to these records three years later. I think it was just like an itch I wanted to scratch and make sure I got it out of my system. Like, I wanted to make sure, like, that lost one needs to be revisited. Because I felt like it was not for what we talked about, but just because we had talked about it with guests in the past, I think. Where we were just like, yeah, we lost our very first episode. Like, that was just kind of a running thing that we would bring up with people. So... I wanted a, a, a redo on that, not because well, I really wanted to re-listen to these records. I thought it was fun, and I thought it was fun to re- to kind of reminisce over the show, mm-hmm. like where we started and how we've progressed doing the show and how our tastes have changed. Like you mentioned in the intervening time, becoming a Bad Religion fan, you know, like we have changed in our tastes in music over the last three years, like... And, like, while I felt pretty certain I wasn't going to change my mind on The Balancing Souls, I was more open-minded going into it this time than I was previously, even with the previous memory of having listened to it before and not liking it. (laughs) So. So at episode 300, we'll come back 150 episodes later, and we'll we'll re-listen, and maybe we'll love them then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see every 150 episodes we'll just revisit <laughs> that's three more years from now so we'll see what we're doing tune in to our uh the patreon um live uh stream of me getting a brownie circus tattoo <laughs> <laughs> and i get the bouncing soul sun comet <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yes if you've been listening, if you've been listening since episode one, what? How? Thank you. <laughs> you did that? Actually, we may have one that I'm aware of. I think of. there's at least one person. <laughs> Shout out to you. Uh, that's shocking that you've stuck through it. I think you're a patron. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't really interacted. Uh, there was an email. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was a funny yeah. email a while back. But yeah. Uh, thank you all so much. It's been 150 episodes. It's been three years. Um, kind of inspired me to go, you know, like I said, go back to school. So, you know, didn't think this would change my life, but here we are. Now, when I'm done with school in two years and I can't find a job anywhere, I'll be like, why did I do this to myself? I could have been doing a podcast for free. (laughs) Yeah. Wait till I take my broadcast speech and then I'll, I'll start talking like this. I sound like Reverend Norb from uh, Boris Sprinkler. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. You know, we, you know, all the social media stuff we mentioned at the top, Patreon, all that good stuff. But uh, uh, class. Oh, this is a question that we don't get to ask anymore that we came up with at the tail end of us talking about EPs that I'm, I'm sad we don't get to say anymore. Time Machine, go to 2001. <laughs> Your choices are. You see The Bouncing Souls, or you see Brownie Circus. Which show are you going to? 
I guess Brownie Circus offers a little bit more novelty because I know what a Bouncing Souls show in 2001 looks like. I don't know what a Brownie Circus show in 2001 looks like. I'm assuming it's in Japan. I, I'm i curious to see the audience, like who shows up for the for the the beach punk band. <laughs> yeah, same. I'll go with Brownie Circus because one, that implies that you are now getting to witness a show probably in Japan because I doubt they'd play to the United States ever. They maybe did something in Europe. They existed for four years, but, you know, they probably were primarily in Japan. Uh, And I've walked through multiple Bouncing Souls shows myself already, and nothing made me want to stay in there the the times I've been through there. So, yeah, I'd go see Brownie Circus in Japan. It's probably, like, something tiny, too. I don't imagine that they were very big, but, yeah. Did we win? No. No, I don't think so either. But nice effort, guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with something fun and spooky because it'll actually be. Wait, maybe. We'll see. Is that coming? No, that'll be after Halloween. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Thank you.